0: religion. What is true religion? It's interesting. Uh, There was a study that was done at NASA not too long ago, and they were taking volunteers, and they were going to pay them $17,000 for 90 days if you would just agree to just lie in bed and be motionless, basically, not get out of bed. So for 90 days, you're in bed, and they only get you up uh, once a day to uh, just run some basic tests and then you go right back. They feed you. Um, they've got the restroom situation all worked out, medically as well. And so you don't, you don't move. Uh, maybe just a slightly in your bed. You're in your bed for the next 90 days and you're gonna get paid $17,000 for it. Now, a lot of people lined up to take that job and it sounded like a dream job. What? I can just stay in bed for 90 days? But they're doing this because uh, they're running some more studies on astronauts and how long uh, they can be in a state of not motion, so to speak. And of course, there were some basic problems that arise pretty quickly, uh, bed sores, and you can talk to any medical professional about how that works. But there were other things that that I was was not aware of. After two weeks, 10% of your muscle mass starts to diminish, and every week it's 10% more. Uh, Also, your heart rate starts to go up. Your blood pressure after a week and a half starts to go up a beat um, almost every day. And so these people were getting just worse. The the guy who was doing it just getting worse and worse and worse shape. And uh, when they got him up, he couldn't hardly stand. His equilibrium and his muscles uh, had such atrophy. And to be honest with you, he was just in pretty bad shape after 90 days. Uh, It wasn't worth $17,000 but some of us think, you know what, that way about our faith. I accepted Jesus and I'm good. I'm good. Matter of fact, sometimes people will say this. They'll go, I'm not religious. I just have a relationship with God. Can I tell you what religion is? First of all, let me give you the Webster definition of religion. If you go to Webster's Dictionary, um, this, it has several definitions, but this is the very first one that you'll see if you just go to the dictionary. It'll say this. It'll say, the service and the worship of God. The service and the worship of God. Now, by Webster's Dictionary, would you say, I'm not religious. I don't worship and I don't serve. I don't think you'd want to say that. Let me give you what, tell you what the Bible says. It's found in James chapter 1, verse 27. And this is what the Bible tells us. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So religion, the service of God, the worship of God, and James is the practical book of Scripture. He's kind of the Proverbs of the New Testament. And James says this, you want real religious, you call yourself religious, then it's to visit the orphans, to take care, and that word that we use there for visit, it means to care, concern, take concern over, to take action over, and the widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, a lot of times in evangelical churches, we do real good on that, preaching that, on. let's keep yourself unstained, let's keep yourself holy is the word, sanctified, uh, let's, let's not be immoral. So that's a piece of it. Okay, so some people think, "Yeah, I just try to be good, and it doesn't matter what I do with my personal life." Others get stuck. Well, I'm I'm a good person, uh, but I don't do anything with it. That's kind of the great disconnect for most Christians. Either I try to earn it, or I I have it, and I don't have to do anything now. But James marries these two together, and he said, "Real religion, biblical religion, Christ-like religion." is to care for those who can't care for themselves, to help those who can't help, help, help themselves, and to keep ourselves holy before God. Now, we're not going to talk about the holiness. We, we do that sometimes. Today, I want us to, to dig in just a little bit practically. And uh, we're going to have opportunities after I get finished preaching. Brandy Miller, our missions minister, is going to come up and tell you different ways that we can do James 1.27 and how we can live this part of our Christianity and our faith out. And so as we do that, I want you to think about how religious are you? What is my religion? Is your religion, I believe, a certain set of practices? or there are certain things that I do? Then you're missing the faith of Christianity. For Christianity is certainly about how we live, but it's also about what we do. It's a manifestation of a real and true relationship with Christ. We are saved by grace through faith unto good works, unto making him known and shining forth his glory. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 through 8. Ephesians 1 verse 3 through 8 and this is what Paul tells us Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless. There's that term that we uh, used in different words, but the same terminology that was used in James 1.27, before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption, As sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to praise, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to his riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Going back to verse five, he predestined us for adoption. Do you know that if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, it's because you have been adopted. You were a child. You were an individual who was apart from God, away from God. And God, in his infinite love and mercy, chose to adopt you, to make you his. Though you had nothing you could offer to him, he adopted us, not because we earned or deserved it, because of his great love for us. That's what happens when we put our trust and faith in Christ Jesus, we are adopted as his sons and daughters. That term is rich for me because I think of two people in my life Who were adopted. The first one was my cousin, Kelly Vaughn. He was pretty much my best friend growing up, first 10 years of my life. I loved Kelly Vaughn. Kelly and I did everything. We got in trouble together. We did living out in the woods in Louisiana. Uh, I mean, he was the only other person I ever saw my age for a long time. And so I was so thankful for Kelly, but Kelly was adopted when he was a young boy from just a poverty stricken situation, a, a, a hard and terrible situation. And um, my aunt and uncle, uh, my Aunt Edna and my Uncle Jim adopted him. And he became my best friend when I got to high school. uh, Kelly uh, lived in Longview. When I got to high school, I didn't get to see him much anymore after 10. But about the time I turned 12, I met a kid named Steve Robertson. And Steve Robertson I got to be friends. And then we became best friends uh, when I got to high school. And Steve was a rock spiritually. But you know what Steve's story was? His mom had him when she was about 17 years old. The grandparents didn't want to be involved. No father uh, was involved. Didn't know where the dad even ended up. And here she is, just barely out of high school, trying to raise a child. And so she ultimately gives her child up. And Dee and Sonny Robertson, living in Bedford, Texas, which ironically would be the place that I bought my first house, uh, adopted Steve Robertson. And then then when Steve was 12 years old, they moved to Louisiana, and Steve would become my best friend. And God used him immensely in my life, accountability. He was the one guy who kept me accountable and kept me straight in my my faith. And part of the reason I'm here, there's a lot of people, but Steve Robertson, because there were two people who chose to adopt a child whose mother couldn't take care of him who made a good decision to say, you know what, I've tried, but I can't. And so I'm going to give my little boy up. And two loving parents adopted him. And part of the reason I stand before you here because of someone who was adopted. You know, you keep going and you see in Scripture. You ever notice the adoptions that happen in Scripture? What about Moses? Moses had a death sentence on his head. But God in his infant mercy had him adopted through the family of the king and raised and trained. He was adopted. And the Jews look at him as the great prophet, the great logan, And we, we do too. Look at the first five books are attributed to Moses of the Bible. What about Esther? Beautiful story of Esther, who lost her parents, but an uncle took her and raised her. And through Esther, the nation. Of Israel is saved because someone chose to adopt her. Have you ever thought about Jesus? Jesus, divinely born, he, the, the, the Son of God, but here on earth, Joseph had to make a big step knowing that it wasn't his child. He adopted Jesus and raised him here on earth as his own. There's much to be said about the spirit of adoption, the power of adoption. And it's something we ought to think about in our own lives, realizing that we have been adopted by Christ. I think about some of the families who have adopted children. I think about uh, the bronze who adopted four children from Ethiopia who would have no hope, who would not have the life they have today. But now they're amazing kids, the the jerkies and the the bronze and uh, so many other families that have adopted children, families who've taken foster children in and made them their own, and transformed their lives. That's true religion right there. That's the religion that Christ talks about. What are you doing with your religion today? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. and This is what we call an eschatological passage. It's a passage about at the end of our lives, at the end of the time of judgment. And Christ is talking here in in Matthew 25, beginning with the 34th verse. Then the king will say on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food, I was thirsty and you gave me drink, I was a stranger and you welcomed me, I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick, and you me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, and feed you, or thirsty, and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger, and welcome you, or naked, and clothe you? And when did we see you sick, or in prison, and visit you? And the king will answer to them, truly I say unto you, as you did it to the least of these, my brothers you have did it to me. You have done it unto me. As we think about the least of these in our culture and in our world, certainly there are widows, but there are also children. And the Bible defines children that are orphans are children who do not have fathers, are fathers who are not a part of their lives. And that's true here in Denton County, in Texas, United States, and around the world. Who are the children that God is putting in your life that you could help metaphorically feed, that you could give water to, that you could give clothes to, that you could give encouragement to, that you could give love to, that you could make a difference in their lives. Some of them come here every day, every Sunday. How are you being used by God in your religion? Options, fostering, adopting, casa, mentoring. Maybe you have a skilled service that you can give. Maybe you could be a compassion sponsor. One of the reasons I just got back from a mission trip last night with our, some of our students, one of the reasons I think that's so important is because it exposes us, particularly when we go to third world countries. It gives us eyes to see like Jesus. It puts us back into reality. And hopefully it moves us either there or to come back here and to see how enormously we are blessed and how God wants to use us to bless others. I'm going to have Randy Miller come up in just a moment, but before I do... This reminds me of a kind of my heroine growing up after I became a Christian was Mother Teresa. Uh, I so respected the work that she was doing in uh, Calcutta and and this story really kind of personifies it. Uh, Mother Teresa was in Calcutta and Dan Rather was on his way to interview her and as he was driving into Calcutta, um, he wrote they had the windows down in the car was he began to roll the windows up because the stench was so bad as they began to enter the slums because of the open sewage uh, and just the the nauseating smells that were coming in and When he got out of the car, it was worse and he was there at the the place where Mother Teresa the hospital where she was working and it was called the, the center for the for the dying basically is what it is and even before they could get in, there are all these people who have wounds and who are hurt and who are sick as he's passing through, and as he gets into the hospital, the smell was overwhelming, and he puts a cloth over his face, and he's walking through, and he keeps thinking maybe they'll get to a spot that it won't stink, that it won't be so dirty, that it won't be so unbearable, and they find Mother Teresa, and she's over a boy, and the boy has open wounds, and there are flies swarming around him. She is swatting the flies, and she is caressing his face and his head as this little boy is dying and she's speaking words of life and of love and empathy to him. She's holding him. She's hugging him. And after a few minutes, he begins to close his eyes. She gets up and Dan Rather looks at her and he goes, Lady, I wouldn't do this for a hundred million dollars. Mother Teresa looked up at him, her four foot eleven frame and her big blue eyes. She goes, I wouldn't either. What is the call that God is placing on your life to make a difference in someone who can't do it on their own? Who are the least of these? We want to share some opportunities, and we want to ask you to prayerfully consider how God might use you. So, Brandy, if you would come at this time and share.